Well, welcome to uh, Hillcrest Church. Welcome if you are joining us online. My name is Pastor Brad Bergfalk, and I'm the interim lead pastor here. And we are in the third sermon of a series, which I am calling Living on Purpose. And we are going to read today from a, a scripture from 2 Corinthians uh, 8, 7, and 8. And I, if, the, if the, um, the blinking lights distract you, maybe God is trying to say something to you through that. In fact, yesterday evening, I think it was, or maybe it was the evening before, I can't remember, we were sitting in our apartment which kind of overlooks the south, and we had all those lightning storms. Did any of you notice that? That's what maybe is happening here. Uh, lightning is about to strike again or something. I don't know. Anyway, here we go. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 and 8. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Every Thanksgiving season, and it's hard to imagine that we're just a couple of weeks away from Thanksgiving, um, I join with you and with millions of people around the country who, after eating a wonderful Thanksgiving meal, will push myself away from the dinner table, and I will say something like, well, that was wonderful, but I've had more than enough turkey stuffing and mashed potatoes for a lifetime. That's what I say, or something like that. And even though I honestly feel that way when, I, when I've, I've just finished eating this wonderful Thanksgiving meal, when the table host comes around again with my choice of pumpkin or pecan pie, I will lean forward and say, pumpkin, please. And that's kind of how Thanksgiving goes, isn't it? We often have more than enough. We often have more than enough, and yet there's always room for a little bit more. More than enough is not only a phrase that we use at the Thanksgiving table, it is a disposition of the hearts of followers of Jesus when they understand the generosity of God and the desire to live a more generous life. In the passage that I just read a moment ago, Paul is commending the Macedonian Christians. And in the midst of their own hardship, they pleaded with Paul to share the riches that they had received from the Lord. And in the midst of their own struggles, and I hope you notice that, it was in the midst of their own struggles, trying to make ends meet, their hearts were overflowing with joy and generosity. Paul concludes this passage by suggesting to the Corinthian Christians, since you excel in faithfulness and in speech and in knowledge 
and in earnestness, then follow the example of the Macedonians and also excel in the grace of giving. In other words, Paul is encouraging the Corinthians in this passage that we just read to get to the place where they understand that they have more than enough. And out of that place of of contentment, out of that place of blessing, they too will be able to exhibit the grace of giving just like their brothers and sisters from Macedonia. So this is effectively the invitation that I would like to extend to us today, both those of us who are worshiping in the building together and those of us who are online. You see, until we get to the place where we are willing to say, I have more than enough, it is unlikely that we will ever be able to reach our capacity for actually living a generous life. Did you catch that? Until we get to the place where we can actually say that we have more than enough, it's unlikely that we will be able to reach our capacity for actually living a generous life. There's, a, there's an intricate relationship between our contentedness and our understanding of God's blessing in our lives that's connected to our own ability to give. Now, as difficult as this may be for some of us to hear this morning, there is a direct correlation, really, between our practice of generosity and our spiritual life. So if you don't hear anything else that I say this morning, I hope you hear and hold on to that. There is a correlation. Um, there, we cannot say we are, we are growing deeper in our spiritual life, we are expanding our understanding of our faith, and continue to withhold the blessings that God has given to us. You, you can't do both. Now, if you go to a doctor, let's say, and the doctor says, you know, you should probably quit smoking if you want to live longer. Right? I, I don't know if, if you've ever been to the doctor and they've told you something uh, that you don't really like to hear. They often do that. The, the reason the doctor says this is because there is a correlation between smoking and heart disease, Right? Now, we may not like the doctor pointing this out to us. We may not listen to our doctor because we enjoy a nice smoke once in a while. But the truth remains, if we smoke, the potential for shortening our life goes up exponentially. In a similar way, in a similar way, if the doctor for our soul were to look at our practice of generosity and discover that we do not exhibit the grace of giving, as Paul calls it, then what are they likely to say to us? Will he say, it is obvious to me that your practice of generosity in the midst of your own struggles, you understand the generous heart of God and practice a life of generosity as a result. Will that be what the doctor says? Or will they more likely say, you don't understand the generosity of God because if you did, if you did, you would exhibit generosity in your life. So as we consider the question, how much is enough, there are three truths about generosity that I'd like for us uh, to think about this morning as we um, conclude this sermon about living on purpose. The first truth about generosity is this. God is the first and the most generous giver. God is the first and the most generous giver. John's gospel says it like this, God so loved the world, 
You know that text. I'm not going to quote all of it. Chapter 3, John. God so loved the world that God gave. God loved and God gave. A generous giver is someone whose heart generates love. It is a, it's not a sentimental or a romantic kind of love, but a love built on a deep compassion and care for others. It is a love that is natural. It naturally pulls us in the direction of broken people and of conditions in our world where people have need. That's the kind of love that God has for the world and for us. Now, this kind of love values human, human beings as those who are created in God's image. And oftentimes, this kind of love is accompanied by sort of a righteous anger at systems and at forces that perpetuate the suffering and ignorance of others that take place in our world, right? Because as we look out there, we see that, that everything is not right all the time. This love cannot contain itself when there are opportunities to change lives and circumstances for those unable to affect change in their own lives. This, this love wants to do something. It wants to, it wants to be generous. This is why the church speaks with conviction when people are unfairly treated by structures in our society. This is why followers of Jesus make every effort to create opportunities for fairness in our, in our life and in our communities. And, and here at Hillcrest, we engage in, in many um, ministries, both locally and around the world, that, uh, that do exactly this. And if I had time to, to list some of those, I, I would, but I don't. And for many of you, you probably already know uh, what those ministries are anyway. The generous giver gives out of, a, 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 of his or her very best. Just like God gave us a son, we give from the depths of our resources, resources and abilities. We give not as a token of our wealth, but we give sacrificially. Just as God sacrificed a son, so we follow God's example and give those things that are most precious to us, most important to us, our time, our convenience, our creature comforts, and our money. The reason why our giving is a reflection of God, who is the first and most generous giver, starts with our understanding of who God is and who we are in relationship to God. The reason why there's a connection between our generous hearts and God's generous heart is because of what Christians believe about how we have been created. We are created with the same bias toward generosity as God has. So in a certain sense, it is more difficult to fight that bias of how God created us than to just give in and be generous, if you think about it. Followers of Jesus believe that human beings are a direct reflection of their creator. And just like a piece of art is the reflection of the artist in some way. So, too, are we a reflection of the divine artist. And since God is the first and most generous giver, we live to, into our fullest humanity when we live generously. 
God is the first and most generous giver. And the second truth I would like for us to camp on just briefly this morning is this. We are most like God when we give. We are most like God when we give. When, when our children were younger, Roxy and I would often look at our kids, and as they said a certain thing, or they stood a certain way, or, or, or they misbehaved, we would say, they got that from you. And when the kids were generally well-behaved, they almost always embodied the character of their mother, and when they were ill-behaved, they clearly were taking after their father. That was how we did it back in those days. Anyway, the truth is that our, our kids are a unique blend of both of their parents. And occasionally, we saw something in them, and we'd scratch our heads, and we'd say, I, I don't know where that came from. Do you? And just like our children are reflections of their parents, we too are a reflection of the character of our generous God. We are most like God when we embody a character of generosity. And the opposite is also true. We are most unlike God when we don't practice generosity in our lives. God has been extravagantly generous to us. It might not seem that way at the moment, depending on the circumstances that you're dealing with in your life, but if you stop and take sort of the long view at your life and the, and the ways that you've been blessed by God, it is very difficult for us to take that view and not see how generous God has been. Uh, one of my favorite Christmas movies, and since we're, we're uh, talking about setting up Christmas trees a minute ago, Dory was, um, one of my favorite movie or shows of all time is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And I don't know if that's coming on TV here soon, but if it is, I'll be watching. And uh, my favorite part of this story is when all of the Who's down in Whoville wake up to discover that all their presents have been stolen by the Grinch. So they gather in a circle or in, in the main square of Whoville, and they begin to sing. And up in the mountains, the Grinch is listening because he wants to hear the Who's crying once they discover that their Christmas had been stolen. But instead of crying and complaining, the Who's down in Whoville do what? They begin to sing. And if I had a better voice, I'd sing that song for you, because I know it by heart. And, and as their singing gets louder, it resonates all the way up the side of that mountain to the Grinch. And when he hears their song of celebration, the Grinch's heart mysteriously begins to grow. Remember that? They, they, there's a box around it, and as it grows, it grows, it busts, busts out the box. You see, the more we understand the heart of a generous God, the larger our heart for generosity becomes. We are most like God when we give. The third truth about generosity is when we give, the world takes notice. Generous giving is the foundation of the Christian movement. It was there from the very beginning when the early church was a fledgling group of Jesus' followers. We saw that in the passage that I just read for you. That, that was an early church uh, passage, um, probably somewhere in the 60s or 70s. The church hadn't been around that long. And generosity was a natural overflow of the hearts of those who had discovered the mercy and the love of Jesus. 
And the early church began to recognize the generosity of God. And what did they do? They felt compelled to give in practical and meaningful ways. Just like Mary's example of generosity that we looked at last week, the disciples of Jesus have been wired to respond to a generous God. Mary did what others talked about but never got around to. Her love for her Lord had no limits. What she had, who she was, she gave that to Jesus. She she laid it at the feet of Jesus. In a similar way, when we begin to practice a life of generosity, those around us will begin to notice. When we begin to hold on to our life and possessions a little more loosely, our children, our families, our friends will pay attention. When we begin to take seriously and respond to God's generosity, we begin to become generous in return. And the world will notice. So there you have it. Three truths about generosity that I believe can transform our understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus at Hillcrest Church. God is the first and the most generous giver. When we give, we are most like God. And three, when we give, the world notices. Which leads me back to that phrase that I began my sermon with a few minutes ago. When we discover the generosity of God, we will begin to look at our lives and say, I have been blessed. I have more than enough. And because of that blessing, I want my life to reflect the character of a generous God. Today, each of us has the opportunity to decide whether we want our lives to reflect God's generous character or not. So if you've never really thought much about how your generosity is a reflection of your relationship with God, if that's, if that's the key piece of information that you need to take away from uh, our time together this morning, that's fine. And I want to invite you to take the first step toward living a generous life by actually going to our website uh, right now and initiating for the very first time your intentional gift, whatever that may be. Or if not there, if an opportunity comes up later on in this Christmas season, the season of giving, then do it then. But you see, the reason why I'm suggesting that you do this is because we can sit around and go, yeah, I probably need to do something about this. And then guess what? Life gets busy, we get distracted by Sunday afternoon football, and it just disappears. And I don't want that to happen for you because I don't want you to miss the joy of giving. The practice of generosity becomes easier once we begin. If we never begin, we will never experience the joy of reflecting the generosity of God in our lives. It's that simple. The point is this. Every follower of Jesus is created in the image of God. And for that reason, we've all been wired with this natural inclination towards generosity. The only reason we aren't is because of fear that we won't have enough left for our own needs. That's the only reason. 
And if we are generous right now in this time of COVID, our situation may change and we may need the resources that, that we plan to give away. That's, that's what we think, right? I want to suggest to you that even though we might be in one of the most challenging times in my lifetime and yours, that this is the time that we actually, we push against our own proclivity to be fearful about not having enough. When was the last time that you didn't have enough? Friends, as we approach Thanksgiving and Christmas this coming year, there's going to be a lot of things that are different. I, I, I get that. And there will be plenty of opportunities for us to put into practice this life of generosity, this life of living on purpose. Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if, if when the watching community sees our generosity, they would seek to know the God from whom our generosity comes? Wouldn't that be amazing? Living on purpose is, is, um, involves how we use our time, and it involves how we use our talent, and it involves how we use our treasure. And I hope that today you are not guilt manipulated into doing something that you don't want to do. I hope you are inspired by a generous God to be generous in return. Let's pray together. These things that we hold, God, that are important to us, Help us to hold them a little bit lighter, a little bit looser. This generosity that you have expressed to us in countless ways, even to the extent of giving us your son as a savior, would that the recognition of that drive us to our knees and, uh, and lead us to be open-handed during this coming season that we are approaching. God, speak to each of us individually or as a family about ways in which we can respond, perhaps in a new or deeper way than we have up until now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.